a reading from the book of Genesis. God put Abraham to the test. He called to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son Isaac, your only one whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. There you shall offer him up as a holocaust on a height that I will point out to you. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Then he reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the Lord's messenger called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he answered. Do not lay your hand on the boy, said the messenger. Do not do the least thing to him. I know now how devoted you are to God, since you did not withhold from me your own beloved son. As Abraham looked about, he spied a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he went and took the ram and offered it up as a holocaust in place of his son. Again, the Lord's messenger called to Abraham from heaven and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you acted as you did and not withholding from me your beloved son, I will bless you abundantly and make your descendants as countless as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your descendants shall take possession of the gates of their enemies, and in your descendants all the nations of the earth shall find blessing. All this because you obeyed my command. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. said I am greatly afflicted precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living O Lord I am your servant I am your servant the son of your handmaid you have loosed my bonds to you will I offer sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. My vows to the Lord I will pay in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. 
reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but handed him over for us, for us all, how will he not also give us everything else along with him? Who will bring a charge against God's chosen ones? It is God who acquits us. Who will condemn? Christ Jesus it is who died, or rather was raised, who also is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. In uh, two weeks, uh, we are going to be treated, or mistreated, depending upon your perspective, to the yearly spectacle of Hollywood celebrating itself. That is the uh, little-watched Academy Awards. And... Uh, they should have found a way to, uh, I suppose, embalm Bob Hope, but uh, since that wasn't possible. And 
The reason I bring that up is that our gospel reading this morning certainly could qualify as a kind of biblical picture of the year. I mean, it has all the elements, doesn't it? It has an all-star cast, beginning with Jesus. Um, look at the supporting cast that's there. You talk about uh, heavenly power hitters, huh? You have the disciples, Peter, James, John. Uh, you have the towering figures of the Old Testament. You have Elijah and Moses. Moses representing the entire legal tradition and Elijah representing the entire prophetic tradition. In fact, it is Elijah who will appear right before the coming of the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Savior, the foundation in law, the foundation uh, in the prophets, the fulfillment of the prophets, and in the center, in the center, you have Jesus the Christ, who is the wisdom, the power, and the saving by Almighty God. In addition to that, you can only imagine what a, uh, one of these uh, computer geeks could do with a cloud coming down and appearing out of heaven a voice booming out, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Just let, you, let's let that roll around your head for a moment. It's an incredible scene. I mean, it's, it touches all the marks. But <laughs> we have to admit on closer inspection, there's a flaw, isn't there? There's a way in which this particular script could not be written wouldn't be accepted, you could write it, but I guarantee you the PR department, along with the producer and director, would do their best to make sure that this particular movie never saw the light of day. Because you see, when they're coming down the mountain, Jesus tells them, don't tell this to anybody. Don't tell it to anybody. Now that's not very good for marketing, but that's the messianic secret because Jesus Christ is not a superstar. Jesus Christ is the scar that heals. But worse than that, there's a kind of little throwaway line there that should not roll past you because it certainly did not roll past Peter, because this has been Peter's, this has really been Peter's secret mission from the beginning, to keep Jesus from doing anything but go to Jerusalem on the Passover. Because at a subliminal or an unconscious level, Peter understands that if Jesus goes to Jerusalem with his rendezvous with the cross, it also means that he's not the kind of Messiah that Peter wants. And by extension, what happens to Peter is going to happen with those who claim to be his disciples and followers. 
So when they're going down the mountain, Jesus says, don't tell anyone. Only after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. It's almost a certainty that the apostles, the disciples, did not heal raised from the dead. What they heard was dead. Uh-oh, there he is again. There he is again with this going there and dying and making this display in Jerusalem. And what's going to happen to us? That's why Peter says, oh, let us make three tents. Remember tent? Tent is the symbol and the reality in the Old Testament of where the Ark of the Covenant is placed because the tent is the movable part where God is housed. It's the symbol of God's presence. And he wants to make three, one for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. That's what he wants. Why? Because it's so, so comfortable on the mountain. It's so, so comfortable with the divine voice from the cloud. It's so, so comfortable there, up there. And we can domesticate God. We can create God and the Messiah in our own image and likeness. Not the mission given to Jesus by the Father. Oh no, because that means going to Jerusalem. But what Peter wants to do, and what many of us want to do, is we want to keep Jesus on the mountain. See, we like Jesus with the multiplication of the loaves and the fish. We like him with the curing and the exorcisms and the crowds following but we really don't want Jesus, who is expelled from the synagogue at his first preaching. We do not want the Jesus who they pick up stones to throw at. We do not want the Jesus whom the religious and political authorities hold in deep contempt and suspicion. In other words, we want a Jesus Christ without a cross, but we sign up for Easter. I'm, I'm in on the Easter stuff. It's on the Good Friday and all that leads up to that that I'd like to pick and choose. And what Jesus is saying is something very important and very fundamental. There is no transfiguration without disfiguration. What we want is transformation without disfiguration. We want to take the cross and we want to turn it into what so many people do today. Turn it into jewelry. You see all of these people on television, many, many of them, they have a cross. But you notice the cross is almost always empty. There's no Christ on the cross. Oh, it's fancy and it's beautiful and it costs a lot of money, so it must be valuable. It's useless and priceless. No, it has, it has no price because it has no value. Because Christ without a cross is meaningless. 
And what we want too often is to domesticate God. We want God in our image and likeness, the wrong flow, by the way. And we want Christ, who really asks nothing of us. And yet, again, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer reminds us in his classical work, The Cost of Discipleship, there is no cheap grace. There is no cheap grace. In other words, when Christ calls you, he bids you come and die. All of those who say, oh, this, this talk of religion, it's escape. This talk of religion is baby talk. It's an illusion. It's anything but. You want illusion? <laughs> Don't look to the cross. Don't look to Calvary. Don't even look to the transfiguration if you try and strip it from the disfiguration. That is a superdose of Christian realism. Now, for many people, that makes them uncomfortable. We start squirming in the pews. We're not supposed to talk about it at mass because that's a turnoff, whatever that means. And yet, and yet, are we really preach, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or are we preaching our own gospel? Are we following Christ to the city of Jerusalem? Or have we punched our own name on the GPS and found our own path? Have we grown comfortable on the mountain in the building of a tent where Jesus resolutely turns his face to Jerusalem. And notice, please, that this brings up echoes, doesn't it? Of the temptations in the desert right before the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, the three-year public ministry. When Jesus is in the temple, uh, in the desert, and at the end of the three temptations, St. Luke tells us this. At the end of the three temptations, when Jesus has turned away from Satan and from the temptations, Luke adds this. The devil departed, but he waited for another opportunity. The devil has always waited for another opportunity to, def to defer deflect Jesus from resolutely turning his face to Jerusalem. And who better to target than Peter? Because if you kill the head, the body will go. If you hit, kill the one with the keys, what happens to the disciples? They do what the devil wants to be done. They scatter. They become disorganized disoriented. It's no different in our own dynamic today. The closer we get to Jerusalem, the deeper we enter into communion with Christ and him crucified, the more intense is the devil determined to deflect us from continuing the journey continuing our Lenten pilgrimage with Christ to the Holy City.
And there are all kinds of temptations, snares, and traps to keep us away from that. Oh, that's negative religion. Oh, that's why people don't go to church, because they don't want to hear about that. No, because the gospel is not about what we want to hear. It's about what we need to hear. That's why it's good news. Anyone who gives you a false gospel, however pleasurable for the moment, is not elevating you. They're insulting you and depriving you of the eternal word of life. And it's so important for us to keep focused that the cross and the resurrection, Good Friday and Easter Sunday, can never be separated. They're not two options. They come bundled. For it is in our dying that we truly rise. It is in our self-denial that we truly find ourselves. It is in coming down the mountain daily with our Lord and Savior and resolutely turning our face to Jerusalem in our daily life that we will experience the joy, the peace, and the newness of life in the resurrection. Let us today not stay on the mountain. Let us today not be about building tents. Let us today resolve that we too will be found with Mary, the beloved disciple, Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary at the foot of the cross so that we will also be found on that Easter at the empty tomb. And in God's good time, we will be in that eternal resurrection, in that banquet that will never end, where Christ will be all in all, and we will be in Christ for all eternity, our true and lasting peace. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.